This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. This weekend on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., we're delighted to once again host the Commonwealth of Virginia's Attorney General, Jason Miares. Mr. Miares' story begins with his mother who fled communist Cuba in 1965. Mr. Miares has embraced the significance of freedom and has worked tirelessly to strengthen the rule of law and to affirm the importance of upholding America's constitutional principles. From 2015 to 2021, Mr. Miares served in the House of Delegates, and in 2021, he was elected Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And on this note, we extend to Attorney General Jason Miares a warm welcome to America's Roundtable. A good morning to you. Good morning, Attorney General. It is so great to be with you all. Thanks so much for hosting me. It's, it's great to join you. Wonderful indeed. Our engaged listeners in the Midwest and the South have been following the rise of anti-Semitism in America. They are truly concerned when reviewing statistics and reports of targeted attacks. In fact, National Public Radio, NPR, relayed the following statement. An old kind of hate has been very visible lately. High-profile entertainers and athletes have openly spouted anti-Semitic tropes. The NPR further reports, and I quote, According to the Anti-Defamation League, 2021 was the highest year on record for documented reports of harassment, vandalism, and violence directed against Jews. It also further states, The current streak includes the 2018 attack on the Pittsburgh Tree of Life Synagogue, where gunmen killed 11 Jewish worshippers, as well as the rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Two years earlier, where extremist demonstrators chanted, Jews will not replace us during a torchlit march, but also thousands of smaller incidents like vandalizing Jewish schools and community centers, unquote. Attorney General Miares, through your leadership, you recently announced the creation of the Anti-Semitism Task Force within the Attorney General's office to monitor and combat acts of anti-Semitism in Virginia. Attorney General Miares, could you share with us how this came about and what are your specific goals and ways to measure the effectiveness in addressing this danger within our midst? Well, thanks so much. I mean, this is such a huge topic, but I I like to say that anti-Semitism is the world's oldest form of bigotry. It is almost like this awful plague that will come back uh, at random times. And it seems to be, if you look throughout the arc of history, it seems to emerge through times of tribulation and crisis. If you look at what happened in Europe during the bubonic plague or even some of the financial crisis in Europe in the 1930s, it was uh, they decided to make a scapegoat of our Jewish brethren. 
and uh, with tragic consequences. And we know that we've gone through uh, the COVID and the COVID shutdowns. We have seen such an impact on our mental health. We're at a stage right now in America where 50% of Americans don't even know the name of their neighbors. Um, and they're spending an extraordinary amount of time online. What is difficult is, and sad, is a lot of individuals have heard voices and insane conspiracy theories online that have fed into false narratives that have been debunked time and time again uh, about the Jewish people, but they tend to come back. And so we had that moment in Charlottesville just several years ago. I, I have said it's one of the darkest days in modern Virginia history where you had, as as you noted, the Tiki Torch uh, bigots walking through Charlottesville, shouting off anti-Semitic uh, statements. And then we had COVID and on top of that. So we, we've seen over a 70% increase in reports of anti-Semitism in Virginia and just uh, between 2020 and 2021. We've seen increased harassment, vandalism. In fact, just this past weekend in Norfolk, Virginia, which um, has a large Orthodox community, there were some virulent, uh, just despicable uh, anti-Semitic flyers that were handed out. So we've seen this explosion. And it is important for us, if, you, if I talk to my friends uh, in the Jewish community, there's there's times where they feel alone. They feel like nobody's paying attention to these issues. And and you know, I often say as attorney general in Virginia, I view myself as the people's protector. That's not gonna happen on my watch, I could tell you that. So we we worked with the, with Governor Yunkin, who's been a great, fantastic partner, and such great work on this, pushing a variety of anti-Semitic um, legislation on anti-Semitism and combating it through the General Assembly in Virginia. But we put together this task force, which is going to bring the best and brightest, not just in my office, in my criminal division, in my education division, because we've seen a rise of anti-Semitism, particularly in higher education, um, as well as the best and brightest outside. We're going to bring those individuals outside to talk about this rise. And it's going to tackle a lot of issues, monitoring, information gathering for people to be aware of what are the other threats, educating. I am shocked at the number of um, just fellow Virginians who don't understand the history of anti-Semitism and the times that even has reared its head in America, and then investigation. Um, and we have a uh, anti-discrimination statute in Virginia, the Virginia Human Rights Act, which can bring uh, anti-discrimination lawsuits as well. And so we want to bring the best and brightest because we're seeing increased threats about Jewish synagogues and day schools. We're seeing anti-Semitic conduct on campuses and in neighborhoods. And I think the most important quality right now is to bring the best and the brightest of how we're going to push back on this very, very dark plague that has seemed to have reared its ugly head and that we need to, to push back as hard as we can. In fact, uh, Attorney General Miares, we just returned from Jerusalem and met with leaders, uh, Israeli Americans, Jewish leaders, and they all communicated how much they appreciate your principal leadership on this very specific front because it is something that is very uh, near and dear to their hearts as well. Attorney General Miares, uh, you filed a lawsuit alongside 24 other state attorneys general 
challenging a U.S. Department of Labor rule which affects the retirement accounts of millions of people. Uh, the rule would allow 401k managers to direct their clients' money to ESG investments, which stands for Environmental Social Governance Investments. And on another note, actually, uh, those investments were also used as anti-Semitic tool in certain companies that we have covered previously on the radio show. Uh, the new rule called Prudence and Loyalty in Selecting Plan Investments and Exercising Shareholder Rights became effective on January 30, 2023. Two-thirds of the U.S. population's retirement savings accounts will be affected, totaling $12 trillion in assets. And you said, and I quote, the Biden administration continues to use other people's money yeah. to achieve its political goals. Virginia families have worked hard to build their retirement accounts. The federal government should be protecting that money, not putting it at risk to support the progressive ESG agenda. But this new rule, created by an unelected and unaccountable bureaucracy without input from Congress or the American people, puts progressive politics above Virginia's financial well-being and security. It is another unilateral and illegal power grab by the Biden administration, unquote. Attorney General Miares, we commend you for challenging this new rule. What is your message to the people, our listeners, who do not want to be manipulated in supporting the progressive ESG agenda with their hard-earned retirement? Well, I mean, I think you're exactly right. And in, in what the Biden administration often has done is they, they have made radical wholesale changes and they have not done so through the legislative process where they have to go through Congress, take in hearings, hear from constituents. They have instead done it through uh, these executive orders or these regulations promulgated by the administrative state. So you had the Department of Labor, to your point, that changed essentially overrode a law, a law passed by Congress, signed by the president, that's been on the books since 1974. Uh, it is the ERISA, it's the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. And it essentially, like a boil it down, it says that if you've been entrusted with someone's hard-earned dollars, that they're going to rely upon upon their savings, that your number one goal is to maximize the return on investments for those working families, which candidly is the way our retirement system has worked. It's now an expectation. If I'm a retiree and I turn over, as you've noted, it's over $12 trillion in assets. It affects about two thirds of American adults. So if you think this doesn't affect you, likely statistically it does. If you're listening, um, they have overturned a rule, a regulation, a law that has been on the books uh, for decades and to to say, well, it's no longer your, your fiduciary duty is no longer maximizing the return for these working families and this money they're going to be relying upon for their investment, for their retirement, it's going to be whatever basically is the new social policy put forth by the Biden administration. And they've come up with this term ESG, environmental, social, um, and governance. Uh, but it's really whatever is new under the sun. So um, they have gone away from saying, hey, if I'm your manager, if I'm managing your dollars, you've entrusted me, you've worked your whole life for this money and you put it in my hands and uh, I am required by federal law to maximize the return, that's gone. Now it's my, my actual duty is not to maximize the return for you and to protect your retirement. It's actually to invest in these ESG programs that the Biden administration may want, whether they're uh, solar panels, whether they're 
uh, companies that invest in in nickel or lithium for EV batteries, you get away uh, from what has traditionally worked pretty darn well uh, with the old standard under ERISA. And so we basically banded together with this lawsuit saying, no, you cannot simply ignore a law that has been on the books now for 49 years in this country with this regulation you promulgate that says we don't no longer have to maximize return for your retirement. It's about what the Biden administration thinks is a proper ESG model. I don't think it's good for America. I don't think it's good for democracy to have an unelected body just suddenly overturn a close to 50 year law. Uh, but I also don't think it's good to mess with our seniors retirement. And that's what we banded together and um, uh, uh, pushed back on what I thought was federal overreach. Indeed. Attorney General Jason Meares, you're also leading a coalition of 21 states calling on President Biden and Secretary of State Antony Blinken to designate drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations under federal law. You have said that by doing so, it will free up resources to confront the deadly opioid crisis with the seriousness it deserves. Indeed, in America's heartland, we are witnessing the opioid crisis. You have shared that is affecting every Every state, county, city, town, and community in the United States. And last year, more than 100,000 of our fellow Americans died from drug overdose, and specifically half of them from opioids like fentanyl. Attorney General Miares, in the letter sent to President Biden, what was the specific message relayed to the commander-in-chief, and what can citizens across the country do to support your principled endeavors? Well, I mean, I would say that you're you're exactly right. Right now, uh, these synthetic opioids, these, this fentanyl that's coming over, it has created a twin public health and national security crisis in our country. It is the equivalent of a fully loaded 727 crashing every day in this country. In Virginia, we lose four to seven a day to overdoses. Um, and so what has happened is you've changed, you've had this, and I call it chemical warfare, You've had the, an unholy alliance between the drug cartels and the Chinese Communist Party. They are exporting uh, dozens of chemicals, deadly synthetic chemicals that the cartels then manufacture into fentanyl that then crosses our southern border. And when I say it's a national security crisis, enough fentanyl crosses our southern border to kill every man, woman and child in this country twice over. Uh, it is it is a it is a level of death and destruction We've lost 108,000 overdoses in the last 12 months. We lost 50-some thousand in Vietnam over the course of 15 years. So it's the equivalent of two Vietnam Wars in just 12 months, and it is affecting every community. And so what we basically have said is, listen, we need to give law enforcement and the government every tool in the toolbox to go after these actors and this, these drug cartels should be declared foreign terrorist organization because what it also does is it gives federal authorities additional abilities and tools uh, to go after them in the financial sector, in the banking sector. It, until you're really able to, to treat them like you would treat ISIS and how they do their banking and go after and be able to shut that down, you're not you're you're you're, you're going to only be able to do so much. And so, what I have told people is what's happening on our southern border right now is just a lack of will. That's all it is. The Biden administration can hire 87,000 new uh, IRS agents uh, to audit small business owners and audit Americans, but they can't find the time or the money or the will to hire 87,000 new border agents 
to help shut down this flow of illegal narcotics and fentanyl that's coming over the border that is devastating our communities. And so um, that's what we banded together, built a coalition of state attorneys general to, to push back. And it is something that I think is desperately needed by this administration. Um, um, and it is it is touch every area. You hit the nail on the head. Every county, every urban area, every rural area, every suburban area. I went to Tangier Island in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay. You can only get there by boat. And only 400 people live on this mm. island. I said, what's the number one issue you're facing? You know, I thought it would be, you know, maybe sea erosion. And they said fentanyl. They had four overdose deaths just in the last year or so from this synthetic. And so um, it is 50 times more powerful than heroin. Enough, enough fentanyl underneath the fingernail of my pinky would be enough to kill everybody in the building you're in right now. It's that powerful. It's that um, it is that uh, evil of a synthetic that's hurting so many people, and that's what we're trying to push back with every tool we can. Mm -hmm. Right. Attorney uh, General Miares, uh, last month you released a report on Virginia Parole Board investigation in which you revealed that Virginia Parole Board released 137 inmates during March and April of 2020. 134 of the inmates have been convicted of violent crimes, including murder, armed robbery, and rape. According to the report that you released, I quote, the 137 offenders discharged from supervision by Chair Bennett were sentenced to a total of 104 life sentences plus 6,135 years or approximately 14,267 years of active incarceration. The average sentence per offender was 104 years or life in prison plus 28 years. The former parole board chair, Adrian Bennett, who you said was falsifying official records and violating court orders, now serves as a judge for the 2nd Judicial District Juvenile and Domestic Relations District Court in Virginia Beach. Attorney General Miares, could you kindly share with the listeners the results of the investigation that you spearheaded? How is it possible that anyone would release violent offenders into the public, and in this case, 137 were released, and who is going to be held responsible if any of these 130 inmates commit violent crimes again? Well, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. What we saw in Virginia was kind of the epitome of um, a, a victim, a criminal first, victim last mindset. Mm. And you didn't have to look any further than the parole board controlled by uh, that was set up by former Governor Ralph Northam and and several appointees were from Terry McAuliffe who had previously served, and they had this criminal first victim last mindset, and it it made it, it reached news in Virginia because in 2020 a notorious cop killer Bitson Martin who was completely unrepentant uh, who was out on parole. Uh, for a robbery charge, committed another armed robbery and gunned down an innocent officer in cold blood, uh, Michael Connors, uh, at a traffic stop. Unrepentant, he was given a life sentence, he was released. There was a lot of head-scratching, how did this happen? A couple other stories emerged, and Governor Nor Governor Yunkin said, we're going to get some answers for the public, and he tasked our office to investigate. And our investigation was shocking. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, they, lost, they released 134 convicted felons early from their sentence. 130 of those 134 were considered violent felons. Uh, many of them considered with a high rate of recidivism. Yes, you're exactly right. The average sentence of who was released was life plus 
28 years. So these were capital murders. These were first and second degree murders. These were rapists. Um, and uh, we saw that tragically some of these people got, first of all, some of the people should never been released. Somebody like Hugh Brown that was serving life in prison for shooting his pregnant girlfriend and setting her body on fire and was deemed sociopathic was was released. You had somebody like David Simpkins, who had 42 prior felony convictions, um, violent felony convictions. He was released, committed 15 felonies in less than a year. So these people got out. Some of these individuals got out and immediately started committing more crime. You had somebody, Cordell Reed, who's a convicted murderer and rapist, who gets out and within 44 days of his release, um, uh, is picked up on an abduction and wounding charge of an innocent woman in Virginia. So you saw time and time again, violent criminals were released, endangering the public, many times committing more and more crimes. And then you layer on top of that, we found um, 83 times, 83 times where they failed to notify the victims as required by the Virginia Victim Rights Statute. 66 times where the parole board failed to notify the local prosecutor that had prosecuted the case as required by the Victims' Rights Statute. Eight different times where they ignored court orders. Three different times where they altered um, a public record where you had a, a parole supervisor who said, I never authorized the release of supervision of this individual. And that's punishable up to 12 months of jail in Virginia. But my problem is, is the statute of limitations expired in 2021 before I took office. And it just shows what happens that leadership matters and the right leaders focus on the right priorities. Nobody asked any questions in the North administration. My Democratic predecessor never asked any of these questions. Why are you letting out cop killers, murderers, and rapists back on the street? Why are you ignoring victims? None of those questions were asked as a result, the statute of limitations. And now, as far as Judge Bennett, her, her hands are going to be in the hands of the General Assembly. They'll have to decide whether they want to pursue articles of impeachment or not. But I could tell you, it was one of the greatest abuse of powers I have seen in my time of public office. And it is the Exhibit A of a criminal first, victim last mindset that I think hurt so many innocents. Mm -hmm. And it, it really was difficult. It broke my heart to, to go through this investigation and see just how many victims got ignored, how many victims were left on the side um, and were not, and their views were not taken into account by this parole board. Attorney General Miares, you've been on the road meeting emerging ethnic communities, American citizens who are citizens from Southeast Asia, South Asia, Latin America, and Jewish Americans. This reminds me of what transpired when California's chief executive, then Governor Ronald Reagan, did through his outreach endeavors. Ronald Reagan then took this important approach and example to the White House. And I'm reminded of the message shared by President Ronald Reagan, who relayed these words at an outreach engagement on July 18, 1984, in the room 450 of the old Executive Office building. And he was meeting with a working group on United States policy in Central America. I quote, Alexander Solzhenitsyn once asked, Can one part of humanity learn from the bitter experience of another? Is it possible to warn someone of danger? How many witnesses have been sent to the West in the last 60 years? How many waves of emigrants? How many millions of persons? They're all here. You meet them every day. You know who they are, if not by their spiritual disorientation, their grief, their melancholy, then you can distinguish them by their accents or their external appearance. 
coming from different countries without consulting with one another. They have brought you exactly the same experience. They tell you exactly the same thing. They warn you of what is now taking place and of what has taken place in the past, unquote. Then President Reagan then states, well, I do believe that it's possible to warn of danger, to learn from the millions of witnesses who have come to the West fleeing totalitarianism. But we must not turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the truth. We must have the wisdom to understand and we must have the courage to act, unquote. President Reagan's work and his principal words continue to inspire us all. And Attorney General Miares, your work truly inspires us. What are you hoping for in your strategic outreach efforts to a key emerging demographic groups in Virginia? Well, Virginia is a very diverse state, and we've been enriched by that. Um, and I think what President Reagan, and listen, anytime you quote from the author of the Gulag Acapelio, I respect you. He's he's one of the lines uh, great thinkers of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but President Reagan, I think he understood intuitively that um, America is that unique place that has given more second chances to more people, more races, more colors, more creeds, more backgrounds than any country that has ever existed. We are indeed that last best hope on earth that President Lincoln described. And sometimes it takes an immigrant, and I'm obviously the child of an immigrant, it, it takes an, an, a, an immigrant's perspective to understand that what we have is unique. It's precious. I call it the American miracle. That's the term I use because what we have is indeed a miracle. And what I, 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 I had a chance this week to, to speak at, um, at Hampton Sydney College in Virginia, and I got to speak to some of the students. And I told them, if you don't think we're unique, if you think we're just one more country like any other, the biggest visual representation is watch the opening ceremony of the Summer Olympics. You could find it online go on YouTube, but the parade of nations, when every, when every nation walks in, 119 nations walk into that stadium in Tokyo in the Summer Olympics. And they get to that moment where they announce us, the United States. And it's a magical moment. And you notice out of 119 countries, there is something different about our delegation, which is we're the only delegation out of 119, the only country in which our citizens look like the entire world. Every color, every creed, every faith. Absolutely. That visual image encapsulates, indeed, we are that last best hope on earth. We're that shining city on a hill that President Reagan so often and eloquently described. And so for all of our faults, I tell people, you cannot measure America as a standard of perfection because every country will fail. You have to measure America compared to every other country on this planet. And by that standard, Goodness gracious, for all of our faults, we have gotten it so right. We have been that beacon of freedom, of liberty, and hope. And I use that, I do not use that word lightly. Hope. It's why my mother got on that plane in Cuba. It's why so many come here. They are living in a country or society where they know oppression and they know fear. And they see the United States as hope. And we should never, ever forget that. And take it for granted. Thank you. Or take it for granted. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, We really appreciate your leadership. And we're joined by Attorney General Jason Miares from the Commonwealth of Virginia. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you so much, Attorney General Miares. Thank you. God bless you both. Thank you. 
This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lalansami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable.